I've got a couple of things on my mind this morning. The first one comes uh, not from our readings, but from Acts chapter 20. So in Acts chapter 20, Paul, uh, the great missionary apostle of Jesus, is, is on his way. He's in a place called Troas, and he's about to leave. So he's on his way out of town. And as he's on his way out of town, he gathers them together for, for the breaking of the bread, which is how they refer to uh, the Eucharist, the Mass. So they gathered together for the breaking of the bread, and it says that he prolonged his speech until midnight. He spoke for a very long time, and there was a young lad, it says, who was sitting up uh, in a balcony next to a window. And as Paul talked still longer, this young man fell asleep and fell out of the window, and he died. Paul goes down and he prays over him and he raises him back to life and then he goes back and he begins preaching again for still longer all the way until morning. So I'm thinking about this because my new assignment doesn't start until Friday. So we could, we could just keep going even longer, right? Even longer. Now I don't have the same powers uh, that God, God hasn't given me the same powers that he gave to Paul, but if anyone wants to like go up in the balcony and you know, test their luck, we certainly can try to do that. So what's actually catching my attention this weekend in our readings is, is this big question. What's, what's the deal with Jesus this week? What's the deal? It's, you know, when we, when we talk about Jesus or when we think about him, you know, we think about his unconditional love for us, about how he loves us no matter what. No matter what we do, he, he loves us and he cares for us. And, you know, we, we talk about how he's gentle and kind and then you read passages like this, and it seems like he's actually being kind of rude. But this guy, these, these people come up and, and, you know, he's like, okay, I'll follow you, but first, like, just let me go say goodbye. And he's like, no. No one who sets their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, actually. That just seems really, like, strict. Especially when, when you compare it to the, the first reading, I've, I've mentioned this before, many times, especially during ordinary time, when the priest is wearing green, during ordinary time, the first reading and the gospel are meant to kind of fit together. Uh, and so when you come to Mass on Sundays, and you hear the first reading, and then you hear the gospel, you ought to be asking yourself the question, how do those fit together? And sometimes it's really clear, sometimes you maybe have to think a little bit, oh, right, thinking. But, but, but nonetheless, we, we can see the connection. It's, it's pretty clear this week. Right? It's, it's this this uh, Elijah comes to Elisha, and he calls him, places his mantle over him. That was his way of calling him to follow him. And Elisha says, okay, let me, let me go first and, and say goodbye to my family. And Elijah allows it. Right? He says, go back. I haven't, I haven't done anything to you. Go back. And he goes, slaughters his, his oxen, and then he comes and follows Elijah. And so you would expect... Jesus, kind, gentle, loving Jesus, you would expect him to at least allow that. But instead, he says no. Like, what's the deal? I think, I think while we might talk about Jesus commonly in those ways, and those things are true, that he does love us unconditionally, and he is gentle, and he is kind, and he is patient, absolutely, those things are true. There's also something that we, we got to talk about with Jesus that we maybe don't speak about as often in the 21st century in America. And that is that Jesus, he's greater than anyone who's ever existed. And being greater, right, we can ask the question, who is he to make such demands? 
Well, he's God, in fact. It's not just that he's greater, but that he is the great one. And being the great one, he has it in him, he has the ability, the permission, we could say, to make stronger commands upon us than others do. And in fact, he has it within him. It is his right to demand that we follow his commands more than we follow the commands of other people around us. You see, while, while it's true that Jesus loves you unconditionally, that, that for you to know his love, there are no conditions attached to that. That is absolutely true. But for you and me to choose to follow Jesus, there are, in fact, conditions attached to that. You see, St. Paul understands this really clearly. So the second reading doesn't always fit, fit really well with with the rest of the readings. Uh, but, but this week, I think it really does. Paul really understands this, he, right? So he begins by, for freedom, Christ has set you free. So do not submit again to the yoke of slavery, but instead stand firm. Uh, and we'll get to that part of standing firm, but, but at, at the same time to talk about, Paul goes on to talk about how within our flesh, within our bodies, we have natural desires and natural inclinations that, that naturally rebel against God's ways and his commands. That he gives commands and we, because of our sinful inheritance that we have received from Adam and Eve all the way down to, to now, because of what we receive, this natural inclination to sin, we have a natural inclination to rebel against God's ways so that if he makes commands of us, our natural tendency is to want to rebel. Our natural tendency is to say, God, you don't know. I know better than you do. And I don't need you to be, to, to be happy. I can be happy apart from you. That's our natural inclination. And Paul sees this really clearly. He says, he talks about how if we're living in the flesh, right? The, the flesh has desires against the spirit, the spirit with a capital S, like God, right? The, 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 the flesh has these natural inclinations. They're opposed to each other so that you may not do what you want. But if you are guided by the spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, what he's saying is, is that what Jesus has done for us is so incredible that when we receive his love where we are and when we choose to follow him and not just believe in him, not just trust his promises, not just believe in him, not just see him as a kind and loving and gentle person, but instead to say, with that, I am so going to follow his commands. Right, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking our, our opening song, the summons, right? Will you come and follow me? And then it says, and never be the same. That is to say that when we encounter Jesus in a real way and we understand him to be who he is in fact, that is God himself, that he can actually change us in such a way that we no longer have to resist God's commandments. When, we, when the grace of God is active within us and we receive the fullness of God, which is what he gives to us, it's his very fullness. When we receive that, no longer do we have to rebel against him and break his commandments, but instead, we can, we can receive his love and actually love him appropriately in return. It's this incredible, awesome, amazing mystery that God is actually able to work in our lives so that, so that we can become like him and share in this, this beautiful exchange of love 
where he, he comes to us in our sinfulness. He comes to us in our rebellion and he loves us. But that love is something that then changes us so that now in response, we can come to him and love him in return. It's so beautiful and so amazing. And, and the, the thing that, that, that caught my attention this week is this, that, that this, is like, this is something that it's not like a one-time event. And, and you all know this, you all know this. If, you, if you're really honest with yourself, and I know this too, that sometimes I might receive God's love. I might, I might receive everything that he has to give me. And I might respond generously to him in response. But I also know that sometimes I receive his love and I hear his commands and they're just not very pleasant. And so I prefer to do my own thing. I prefer to say, you know, Jesus, I guess this is who you are, but I wanna do my own thing instead. And I was thinking about this because in our very first line, this is, this is the main thing that caught my attention. The very first line of our gospel, it says, when the days for Jesus' being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. This resolute determination to do what? To journey to Jerusalem. Well, what happens in Jerusalem? That happens in Jerusalem. We know this, that at the end of the Gospels, in all four Gospels, Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he faces this kind of showdown with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, and ultimately he's rejected. He's arrested, he's mocked, he's scourged, he's, he's forced to carry a cross, and then he's hung upon the cross completely naked, ashamed for all the world to see, to the point that he dies and then a, a, a sword or a, a lance is pierced through his side. And this is, this is what it says. He's resolutely determined to journey to that. Right? Jesus is God, remember, so he knows what's coming. And so you can imagine, this is chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus dies in chapter 23 of the Gospel of Luke. So you can imagine, for the next like 13 or 14 chapters as he's preaching and teaching, he's still set toward Jerusalem. He's on his way there. And so you can imagine, even as he's preaching, as he's teaching, he's just always aware of the incredible pain and suffering and embarrassment that he's headed toward. And yet, brothers and sisters, this is the thing. He's resolutely determined to get there. What does that mean? It means that in the back of his mind and maybe even in the front of his mind, there's this, this we could say like foundational disposition that says, nothing is gonna sway me from getting to that place. Nothing. I don't care if people try to talk me out of it. I don't care if people make fun of me. I don't care if people don't believe me. There is nothing that's going to keep me from getting to Jerusalem. There's nothing that's going to keep me from getting to the cross because I know, he says in his mind, I know that through the cross and only through the cross is heaven going to be unlocked for my people. And that's the thing that I want for them. So I was thinking about this because in the 21st century in America, we struggle so much to have a resolute determination for anything. If you know anybody who runs a gym, you know that they love January 1st every year because people begin with a resolution, a New Year's resolution to go and exercise. But then within a couple of months, they're still paying the membership dues 
but there's no one really extra at the gym. Because the moment in America, the moment we face any kind of resistance to one of our resolutions, we just sort of like shrivel up and melt. We struggle so much to have this same kind of resolute determination. It's the same, it's, uh, we can joke about with gyms, but it's the same when it comes to following Jesus. I know so many people who, who maybe like they encounter Jesus in a real way, but, but and they're even, they're even resolved to follow him. But then what happens? They face some kind of a, a resistance. Well, you know, we had a sports tournament this weekend, so we just couldn't make it to Mass. Or, you know, like, my kids were in town, and, and they don't go to Mass, and I didn't want to be inconvenient for them, so I just didn't make it. Sorry, Father. Or, or you know, we were traveling, and I know I could find Mass times online, but I just didn't really feel like it because we're traveling, and we're on vacation, and you don't need to go to Mass when you're on vacation. You see this the moment so many times, and I'm not saying this is the case for all of us, right? I know there are people in this church who have this resolute determination, but I know that even in my own life, there are times when I might have a resolution to fast from sweets for a day, and then somebody offers me a donut. And it's just like, maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Right? I know that this is something that we all encounter in our lives because because we have these natural inclinations in our bodies, in our flesh, to rebel against the working of God in the Holy Spirit. We have this natural inclination, and so we need more and more to just ask the Lord to fill us up with this resolute determination to follow Jesus no matter what. This resolute determination that says, I will have an absolute preference for Jesus before anything or anyone else. And I don't actually care if other people are going to make fun of me. I don't care if I have to miss out on something pleasant so that I can, so that I can spend my time in prayer every day. I don't care if I have to miss out or, or be inconvenienced when I'm traveling or when I'm with my family so that I can make sure that I get to Mass on the weekends. I don't care about those things because, why? Because I believe in Jesus. I hear his promises. I, I receive his love, that, that he loves me and I trust him. And I place my, I surrender my life to him. And not only that, but I am committed to him resolutely. I have a determination that says there is nothing that's going to sway me from following Jesus and keeping his commandments. This is a, it's a two-way thing, and I was thinking about this. This may be the last thing. I know that there are people in our church and in our communities who might say that they have a commitment to Jesus, but they don't have a commitment to his church. They have a commitment to Jesus, but they don't have a commitment to actually like following his commandments. And that's a problem. I know there are people in our church, in our community, who actually don't have any kind of commitment to Jesus and don't have any kind of commitment to keeping his commandments. And I know that there are people in our community who have a commitment to the church and following the church and coming to Mass, but then don't actually have a real commitment to Jesus, surprisingly enough, where they're maybe willing to come to Mass and do all the right things, but they're not taking individual time to actually like live life with him. And all, all three of those, those realities are problematic because Jesus wants us. 
He wants us to share life with him and to follow his commandments. To share life with him through this resolute determination to keep a relationship with him and to keep a relationship with his church. And so I think, I think we could just sort of finish by asking ourselves this question. What kind of a determination do you have when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ and his church? What kind of a determination is there? And if there's not the same kind of resolute determination that Jesus has, that is to say, if it's not your basic foundational disposition and attitude of your mind and your heart, if it's not, there's nothing that's going to keep me from Jesus. If it's not that, then I would just simply invite you to reconsider. Because Jesus is, in fact, who he says that he is. He is real and he is alive. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, brothers and sisters, comes to the Father except through him. But through him, through him, he actually can speak to us. And he can actually give us the words of everlasting life. And there's nothing in this world, however pleasing it may be, there is nothing in this world that could possibly compare to the eternal weight of glory that Jesus gives to those who believe in him and follow his ways.